Hello, everybody. You're listening to The Big Chill Podcast. This is episode six. Eddie starts a cult. Hello, Big Chillites. Welcome to the Blue Monday edition of the Big Chill Podcast. Sam, are you feeling this saddest day of the year due to a combination of bad weather, long nights, and a lingering aftermath of the festive glut? Is, is that the criteria for the Blue Monday? S- sounded like an ad read. <laughs> it's an ad read for Blue Monday. Yeah. Yeah. Here it's at Blue Monday, like we like to make your day hell. It's yeah, like an people, insurance company. Do you feel down? Do you feel festively? <laughs> some people have Blue Apron as their podcast sponsor, and we, we're just going to have Blue Monday year-round. Yeah, I mean, so this is meant to be the most depressing day of the year, right? I, I honestly thought that was just like a kind of near-British thing. But is it is it over there in the US of A? No, Everything I've seen. So the only reason it came up was it popped up on my Instagram on one of the horse racing ones. It was like, because it's Blue Monday, who's your favorite rider ever in the Godolphin silks? And I was like, uh, what? <laughs> and then I thought maybe, and then I saw some other people that I know from the UK post things. And then I thought maybe it was like about to bring about awareness. It kind of was like a, like a national, not depression day, but national depression awareness day. I think this is just National Depression Day. (laughs) That would be a curveball, wouldn't it? Like depression. But I think, no, but I think in a way, the popularity of the concept, like the hashtag and stuff, is linked to awareness. Like I think people doing the hashtag Blue Monday is kind of, because it's a lot of like sports teams or whatever talking about mental health, but using it as like, this is a day when, like this is the most depressing day of the year. So maybe it's a good time to think about your mental health or like if your friends or whatever. So it was actually started by the UK travel company, Sky Travel. (laughs) Oh dear. In 2005. What is like Uh, a a way of trying to get people to book a holiday? I don't know. Saddest day of the year, book yourself a holiday to cheer yourself up. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. That's probably what they ended up doing, but they claimed to have calculated it using quotation marks in equation. I mean, it makes sense, right? Because you're still in the winter, the days are short, the weather's not good, but you've had Christmas and New Year. So like the thing you would look forward to in the winter is over. So you've just got the depressing climate with nothing to look forward to. And the the realization that the year ahead sucks and also you haven't been paid in a long time. Anyway, let's not try and get too... <laughs> so maybe our podcast can cheer you all up. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. Either that or we'll, we'll notice when our listeners drop off and we'll, when we go from Monday to Tuesday, we'll be like, well, I guess we had a 67% suicide rate on Blue Monday. <laughs> <laughs> Eddie, you know what used to cheer me up back in the day? Uh, no. After a hard day's work, I'd get home and I wanted to do nothing more than just sit and sleep and relax in my comfortable waterbed. What a what a segue. <laughs> uh, yeah, so obviously we had the long waterbed. When you kind of came out of the closet as a waterbed lover 
And when I've come so, out of the bed. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I decided as we've done in the past to go to Reddit and see what the internet thought about the situation. So I went on a Reddit for grownups uh, subreddit. Uh, sadly, our own podcast doesn't have its own subreddit yet, but that's something to aspire to. I like that uh, you said you want to know what the internet says. Because at first I thought you were going to say what the general population thinks, but Reddit is not a good representation of the general population. Oh, that's of the internet. Wondering. Of the internet, yes. It is a good representation of the internet. <laughs> yeah, so I just put it like, the the overall question, question was waterbeds, yay or nay? That was my question. And I expected, honestly, to get no responses. We've had 92 responses. Um, most very positive about waterbeds. Um, people saying best sleep ever. A few people said, I like them, but there are too many downsides. The downsides being they're heavy, not really a problem for most floors, but is a problem for shoving the bed aside for cleaning or to move a rug. That's true. They are very heavy. And they require constant maintenance and, and tinkering. Tink tinkering? You have to burp the bed. I think that's to. the older models. I never had to burp the bed. What is, it like, what is it like air gets into it and you have to like push it out? Yeah, or? I think it's like air bubbles that come in. One guy posts, I had one from the mid 70s until 2001. That's a real wow. waterbed commitment. It was a great way to sleep. It can be as firm or as soft as you want, depending on how much water you put in. Also nice and warm when you get in. Yeah, so that's actually a big thing is the water warms up. So it's really nice in the winter, but then you go the extra step and you can get like a cooling mat or a heating mat underneath and you can really amp up whether you want it to be like super cooling or super hot. It's nice. Now, my personal favorite comment, there were two that really stood out to them. My favorite was when I was in high school, my boyfriend had one and not even our teenage sex drives made it fun. Thumbs down. <laughs> I did say it's not good with two people. She probably never slept on it alone. Someone else said, one of my girlfriends had one. I didn't like them. It was like trying to sleep on a slab of jello. Any small move was amplified. It was also very difficult to get in and out of beds. Again, the two person. Do you, do you kind of sink into them? Like, you, I mean, like, again, it depends on like that guy said, you know, like how, Build it is you sink in a little bit but it's it's similar to a memory foam but i would say not as good as a memory foam like you really have to get it dialed down to exactly what you want wow the fine art the I, now i'm assuming this guy is either referencing a movie i've never seen or making a joke but if not he's just a complete creep because his response was i didn't realize that they still made waterbeds I'm going to go and have to buy one and put it in my van. <laughs> I think that's supposed to be a joke. <laughs> I think it is a joke, but But people responded to it seriously with, I don't think a waterbed would fit well into a van. Oh, <laughs> so, wow. What a literal. <laughs> that's so disarming. Big, sloshy uh, bag of water isn't a good thing if you're going around corners. <laughs> the weight of the water would probably make it a no-go. Yeah, that's yeah. actually a very good realistic point <laughs> but now it's uh, points. <laughs> but no incredibly popular it's the so far i mean it's probably the fourth or fifth time that we've asked the internet a question and this has been the most popular question we've asked them so 
So is it is it such a popular question that it's like popping up at the top? Like, I don't know much about Reddit, but I assume like posts that are really popular, like are right on the home screen kind of thing. So it's been popular enough that within the subreddit, it's at the top because it's had 75 upvotes. Now wow. that wow. Reddit has 95,000 members. So it's, but it, it's, it's made its way to the top. It's not like most active subreddit in the world. Um, but Can, it's not, it's not, not yet. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's not been, it's not been popular enough that it's gone from that subreddit to being referenced on like the Reddit front page. We're not 75 upvotes. Isn't popular enough for that. How many do you need to get on the main one? Thousands, I think. Yeah. Wow. Um, What was the general consensus? Yay or nay? Yay. Most people who wrote had just said, like, I owned a waterbed or I own a waterbed and I loved it. Like, that was most people. It basically drew what we found out is it, it kind of, I guess, in a way, what I talked about where said, like, this is how um, the police could catch people with warrants where you do the free boat offer and see who turns up. It turns out people out themselves. If they've got a waterbed, you just ask oh. them like, Hey, our waterbed's good and they can't help. But I answer the question. I was going to say, now we just send this subreddit to the FBI and they've caught 10 out of their 50 most wanted people probably. Yeah. But someone who uh, probably wishes that he had a waterbed this week, is old uh, Patrick Mahomes. It might help him to sleep off his concussion ahead of uh, wow ahead, ahead of the AFC Championship game. It's, it's a mediocre segue. You could have said like maybe somebody felt like they're on a waterbed. <laughs> he definitely looked like he was at sea. I will give him that credit. When he got up, yeah. he he looked like he was on a boat that was in the middle of the ocean. It was pretty pain. It was pretty horrible to look at. To be honest, just watching him wobble massively, like trying well, to even, get up on one knee and even. Even before the wobble, the eyes, like when he stood up, he was kind of looking at his teammate, but not looking at his teammate. <laughs> it was it was kind of creepy. Like the stare, the death stare, it kind of reminded me, Eddie, of that joke you always used to say when the comedian would like zoom into the person's yeah. eyes. It's like my all-time favorite joke you've told me. <laughs> Yeah, no, you're right. And what I also liked was even the reactions of some of his teammates, which were at first to try and help him up. And then they realized, uh oh, he's not in a good way. And then it was kind of to almost get away. Because I think obviously the hope would be you should sit on the ground for a second and, yeah. and like not get up and show the world that you are clearly concussed. Maybe if you sit on the ground for 45 seconds and just clutch your knee, then you can like shake this one off and pretend everything's okay. I think that's quite hard to do when you have a concussion to oh, make no, no, that yeah. like rational thought. No, 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 yeah. no, no, I'm not, I'm not being critical of him. I mean, you could kind of tell from the teammates perspective that they yeah. went in the mode of like, pick him up, which already to me, it's one of those uniquely American sports things. The idea of picking your teammates up, like in America, that's such a key representation of like a good teammate and teammates who like each other, which in the rest of the world, it just doesn't matter that much. Like the extreme is in the NBA where you get like four guys going to pick one guy up after he's just like slid on the ground for half a second. But yeah, it's, it's such a weirdly American thing. It was a strange play too, because when you first watch it, you thought it was a helmet to helmet hit, but then it wasn't. And then you thought, okay, his head must've slammed on the ground, but it didn't really hit the back of the head. It was hit in the back of the head. Some of the chiefs players are claiming that he was effectively choked out. 
Like I mean, arm it, wrapped around yeah. him, and and that's what made him go unconscious. It, I mean, that could almost be more likely because his his head doesn't actually hit the ground hard even. It actually hits the guy's arm hard. So either he was choked out or his head hit the guy's arm in a whiplash hard enough that it caused like a jarring effect. It was, it was strange. Like it didn't look that bad of a play after you watched it to think, wow, that gave him a pretty serious concussion. Yeah, no, it's true. It, it was surprising. But I mean, I guess it's just because we get so used to such massive impacts and you don't think about what even a rarely uh, like a fairly innocuous piece of contact in the NFL is actually yeah uh, possibly a massive brain trauma but yeah. we're just like oh well he bounced up that's fine that wasn't a bad one yeah he's still in the concussion protocol at the moment as well i think so they said he's doing fine but i guess if you're still in the protocol no one's really going to know because the, well, the million dollar question right is is he going to play next time it's at least 5 days Let's be real. You have to be in it for five days at least. He is going to play 100%. Nothing makes me think that he's not going to play. But if the NFL, if the Chiefs, and if Mahomes took brain injuries even remotely seriously, there is no way he should be playing again a week later. Like, that's that's the reality. Again, I mean, I don't... We're saying this, but we don't know how serious of an actual concussion it was. So, for instance, Andy Reid said pre-concussion protocols, he would have been back in extremely quickly because they said once he ran to the locker room, they said at that point he was, like, completely fine. There was, yeah, like, no nothing Frank, happening, no, like, lingering the, effects. Frank, the Chiefs are going to say that no matter what. He could have been puking his guts out, not knowing his own name, and, like, slobbering all over the wall. And Andy Reid would have been like, as soon as we got into the locker room, he was fine. Because in Andy Reid's head, he's going to be like, we want him to play a week from now, and we don't want the PR backlash from saying he just had a really bad concussion. But the reality is about concussions, we don't even know what a bad one is. I, I was just about but, to But I mean, say isn't that. that why you have the protocol? To but all the protocol, <laughs> no, all the protocol can determine is, did you have a concussion? And anyway, there's dispute over what the like definition of a concussion is anyway. But it can't tell you, well, this was a grade three concussion and this was a grade one concussion. All it can say no. is. Yeah. No, no, I, I, no I, I know, I know in game, but I'm saying now he's in the concussion protocol or whatever right, they want to call it. Yeah, but but I, I don't think that's saying he has a concussion because it's already said he's had a concussion. No, I think now it's saying, is, like, is it still there? Are there still effects? I thought it's what it is now. But, but, but that's the you thing don't, we don't know. You don't know. Concussions can actually rear. But they have. Like, a more ugly head a day later, two days later. Like that's like, the thing with concussion. You don't know but, what the brain activity is. Like the blow is immediate. Mahomes reacted immediately and his body reacted it. But I, I know people who have had a concussion where it's the day after where it's worse. Yeah, but it that's what be, I'm saying. He's he's still in it, Sam. That's what I'm saying. No, but for five you're, you're days not, now. No, but Frank, it could be eight days from now that Patrick Mahomes just starts throwing up. It could be that he shows no symptoms and feels fine, but that his brain has been damaged. Yeah. And but that then he's, can't now, see light. he's now incredibly susceptible to having another concussion when he plays a week from now. Like the reality is we know virtually nothing about what the risks are. So I get what they're trying to do. It's better than nothing. And seeing someone pass some checks, look, which are bullshit anyway, because NFL players openly admit to the fact that, for example, 
for the in-game concussion protocol, it's based on the baseline that you establish. I mean, some of it isn't, it's just based on medical reactions and stuff. But in terms of a lot of the tests they do, which are based on like reaction-based tests, NFL players openly admit that when they set the baseline preseason, they go slowly, knowing that that way, if they're concussed during a game during the year and they slow down a little bit, they're unlikely to not kind of pass the test. Oh, that's but a like, bit weird, isn't it? To be somehow like tactical or gamesmanship around a concussion protocol. It seems a bit um, against the spirit, I guess, of sorts. I mean, look, to me, my issue with NFL and concussions or rugby and concussions, as we spoke about with Steve Thompson a few weeks ago, it was in the era, I feel sorry for players who played in an era when the risks weren't known. Patrick Mahomes knows what the risks are now. If he wants to play on Sunday, then that's up to him. I don't want 20 or 30 years from now when Patrick Mahomes has dementia for him to go, I didn't realize I was putting myself at risk or to be suing the NFL. Because even though the we don't know the, the full extent of risks, we know that you're putting yourself at risk in some respect. Yeah. See now, I, see so, so, so here's my issue is like, I, I do agree with you some in a little bit that the player can have a decision, but like, so for instance, this is the protocol. Now he's in his last phase is he has to undergo a neurological test where he's only, only allowed to return to full contact. Once his brain function returns to baseline levels based on a preseason neurological evaluation. And then it's not up to Mahomes. The medical staff has to clear Mahomes based off of that neurological evaluation compared to his preseason neurological activity. That is then confirmed by an independent neurologist. And then if that happens, then it's up to the Chiefs to then decide if they still want to go ahead with playing him. So it's a lot more than just, do you have a headache still? Like there no. are, there are Frank. scientific evidence. Frank, in Frank, okay. Frank. Yes. Did you listen to what I just said about how they established the baseline and how NFL players openly admit to intentionally basically acting st more stupid so that when they get the test done in the season, they're no, less I understand likely. that, but that sounds like, do you know, that sounds like an incredibly well-written description of the protocol he's going through, but fundamentally he's going to go through some pretty basic medical tests and then he's going to be, go, get put through some reaction-based tests. And but I, a lot I, of it too, a lot of it too is also going to be, Hey, how are you feeling, Patrick? Yeah. I think it's a little naive of us though, to say that there's like been no science put into this. I'm not saying that there's no science. I'm saying that we've had a lot of science put into it, but a lot of what that science has revealed is how little we know. And so the reality is we, there is no scientific, there's not a consensus on what a concussion is, for example. And as part of that lawsuit going through uh, the rugby governing body with Steve Thompson, that's what part of the discussion is about because you get people getting into micro concussions or, you know, all sorts of different, you get players who retire and say they've never had a concussion. And then they go and see a doctor who tells them you've had a thousand concussions over the course of your career. Fundamentally, I've only ever heard of concussion as like a, a kind of a, a stressful impact on the brain. That's fundamentally all I would be able to describe a concussion as. But I, it confuses me a bit, though, because I think Eddie made the point at the start, and it's the right one, right? If you want to be serious about head injuries and concussion, theoretically, I don't think he should play. No, not because, at all. 
because what you're then the NFL as a base standard is then saying most, if not all concussions will be fine five days later. That that's kind of what they're, that that's what they're saying. I think. And it's super, it's super reliant on the player. Like you can say they go through all sorts of medical tests, but a lot of it is going to be based on Patrick Mahomes being honest to them. Do you feel dizzy? Like, is your vision perfect? Do you have headaches? Do you feel nauseous? Like, those are going to be the things that are going to be a big determining factor as to whether he's being checked off by an examiner or not. And those are all based on how he feels. And if he wants to play, he'll say, no, I don't feel dizzy. No, I my vision is perfect. Like, and I'm not blaming him. I might do that too. And if anyone does it, Patrick Mahomes is in the most secure position, right? He just signed a $503 million contract. So he doesn't fall into that category of, I want to get paid at the end of the year and I don't want to sit out a playoff game and, and cost myself money. Like he is in the, of any NFL player in history, he is in the most secure position to make an honest assessment about his own health. And maybe he will do that. But the reality is if the NFL wanted to take hand injuries seriously, if you are knocked unconscious in a game, you should not be eligible to play in the game, the following game. Pretty depressing podcast so far, apart from water beds. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, Blue Mo- it's Blue I mean, Monday. It's going to be our most depressing. I mean, let's keep on this Browns game, right? Because Henna at the end had a pretty incredible Anna. low are we, head. Are we, all getting, are, we all getting, Sorry, are we getting Henny. tattoos? <laughs> Yeah, and, whoops. Um, he had a pretty head first dive, which was pretty suicidal. But obviously, the important one I thought was Higgins, right? I don't understand how that isn't a initiated with the helmet tackle. Well, it is. It, it was a missed call, but it should have been. By the laws of the game, that was a uh, penalty, but it wasn't called and it's non reviewable. So. It doesn't get called on the field. The Browns had the kind of worst case scenario out of it, which is not only do you miss the flag, it directly leads to a turnover and stops you from scoring seven points. Like it's the ultimate bad missed call. It's and also that's the dumbest rule I've ever heard in NFL, right? (laughs) The touchback. Yeah. So you if you fumble normally, it's you potentially could recover it, whatever, and then it just goes back as incomplete or you gain possession there. But if you do it in the end zone, why is it like the defense gets the ball and they get a free no, so, so, for example, there was the Browns player who tried to recover it, who slid in. If he had grabbed hold of it in the end zone, it would have been a touchdown. But if it goes through the end zone or out of bounds in the end zone, or if you lose control as you hit the pylon, for example, which I think is the even dumber version of this, then that's when the touchback occurs. And then the other, it's a turnover and the other team gets the ball on their own 20. But I don't, I don't get it because all it is is a fumble, right? And if it goes out of bounds, what would it be in normal? It would just be an English. Well, that's, that's my issue with the rule, which is to me, if you wanted this to be consistently applied, it should mean that all fumbles that go out of bounds are a turnover, which I would be fine with if that's the rule. But the no. fact that if you, if you fumbled it and went out of bounds on your like two inches earlier, it, you just get the ball there. But otherwise, it's like, well, now the ball's on the 20. I mean, I, th- I think the easy fix is if there's a fumble you can't advance it as an offense. So in that situation, he fumbles, the defense doesn't recover it. Then the offense just gets the ball back where he fumbled it. 
And I also like that better because then you don't get those situations where the defense makes a good play and forces a fumble, but then there's a weird bounce and the offense picks it back up and like runs it for a touchdown. We're like, normally as a defense, you're like, man, we made a really great play. We even forced a fumble. And now like we got screwed because there was a weird bounce and the offensive lineman picked it up and ran 20 yards for a touchdown. I think that gets solved both ways. If you just say, if there's a fumble, the offense can advance, but obviously if the ball advances, like the offense can still recover it. It just goes back to where they fumbled it. And I think that's, that's a, that's a decent rule. It's an easy rule to fix the, the arguments I heard against changing it. I was listening to the radio today and they had on a defensive player. His one argument was that pretty much the NFL is geared solely towards offense and every rule basically in the NFL now benefits the offense. And this is one of the last few rules that actually benefits the defense so he was kind of pissed that if you take away this rule, then everything is just like a pro offense NFL. But I mean, that's the way the NFL is now. So I don't know so much about that argument. The other one that I thought was kind of interesting was that people obviously know this rule exists. And there's a lot of coaches out there that actually tell their players, if you're in that situation, don't die for the pylon. So supposedly Bill Belichick is adamant about his players never diving for the like for the pylon with the ball, he gets super pissed because this rule exists. The Browns defense, he said after the game, the Browns tell their players not to do it. So he said Higgins knew that in that situation, you take in that particular situation, especially where if he just take if he'd just been tackled, it was first and goal. That in in that particular situation, they're told never ever reach out. But he also defended the player, saying, "I understand why in the moment the player is trying Your to score player. a touchdown." And he's just trying to put in effort to have the best possible result for the team. And you can also see the reverse. It's, it's all well and good saying he shouldn't have done it. But say hypothetically, he gets tackled a yard out and people felt like he didn't reach out when he could have. And then the Browns either turn the ball over on a subsequent play or get like stuffed on the goal line. Then it would be a bunch of people on the internet saying, why didn't Higgins reach out? He was a foot away, he could have just stretched his arm out and put it over the, the over the goal line, you know? So you kind of, it's kind of lose-lose, but obviously the smart thing to do is just not turn the ball over. So I guess the other big takeaway from that game, obviously we're talking about the Browns and the Chiefs, is the difference in the two fourth down calls. I've seen this come up now a few times, um, which I kind of actually agreed with both of them, um, but there's been a little, a slight argument and I don't, I don't fully get it, um, but for one, um, the Browns had the ball trailing by five with four minutes left, and they had a fourth and nine from their own 30, and Stefanski chose to punt it and then obviously never got the ball back from there. So there was the argument that should he have punted it or should he have tried to go for it there, and that is coupled with the Andy Reid call where the Chiefs were faced with a fourth and less than one from their own 48 with 114 remaining, and they decided to go for it instead of punting it to keep the ball to win the game. I mean, I think the thing about the Chiefs one, I think probably the math would tell you to go for it. I think most people expected the Chiefs to go for it. I think the surprising thing was that they ran a passing play. Like that was a surprising, it was a very ballsy play on Andy Reid's part. Well, not everyone, Eddie, thought they were going for it because the 
great announcer that he is, Tony Romo, when they lined up on that fourth down, all he kept saying was, oh, they're just trying to draw him off. There's no way they call a play. There's absolutely, he even said, there's absolutely no way they run a play here. And then after like two seconds after he finishes that sentence, they snapped the ball. He's like, what? what, wait, what? Oh my God, it's complete. What a play. You know, like he was, and and yeah, I thought it was, it's the right call. I mean, the he wasn't, throwing a he pass is... He, he wasn't saying that they weren't going to go for it. He was saying they weren't going to go for it then. Yeah, they weren't going to run a play there. Yeah, they were going to call a timeout as the play clock expired and then decide if they wanted to go for it or not. Yeah. that. Um, but I think it was the right call. And I think, yeah, they ended up catching them by surprise because they, I think everyone kind of thought they're just going to try They're trying to draw them offside. And um, I'm a little bit torn on the pass play. It worked. So... It's the right call. I think it's kind of dumb, especially with your backup quarterback in. I think it's sort of stupid because if it hadn't worked, everyone would be calling Andy Reid an absolute idiot. It would have been a really Andy Reid, like let's go back 12 months and take Andy Reid's Super Bowl win off the, off the you know, like table. That would have been a really Andy Reid way to lose a game. Like Andy Reid's career is full of decisions like not only going for it on fourth and inches, but deciding to run a pass play, it's incomplete. The other team goes down and scores the game-winning touchdown, and everyone goes, well, that's Andy Reid for you. Like, it's all really good until crunch time, and then he makes a stupid call. I will say it, he did – I was super surprised he called the pass play, but it was it was a decent pass play to call, at least. It was a very designed play where that obviously is like a fourth down and one play that they have in there where it's basically Tyreek Hill just a quick out right there you know and it's got to be almost impossible to stay with Tyreek Hill if he's just running down the line that quick so yeah but or it's not it wasn't it wasn't a traditional pass play you know what I mean it was a pass play designed specifically to get an inch sure but your backup quarterback who is uh historically not tremendously accurate who historically has lost way more games than he's ever won who has no real playoff experience aside from what he's done over the course of this game is the one it wasn't Patrick Mahomes now the reasoning supposedly that they called that play is because Henny and Mahomes went over situational fourth down plays in the build-up to that and that was a play they loved both of them the one thing you have to say for the Chiefs they may have got really lucky that they were in a situation to then rest everyone in week 17 and that Henny at least had had some recent playing experience. He looked aside from the one just absolutely awful, basically punt into the end zone that he yeah. pulled off. Aside from that, he looked okay. He didn't do much wrong. And like I said, that fantastic run near the end was great to watch. Yeah, the interception was horrific. That was, it was one about, of the worst interceptions about, I've ever seen. It was about 15, 10, 15 yards away from a Browns play. It, it, it was a punt. But just the whole just the whole idea of it, too. It was yeah. first down. Like, I did, like, you didn't I need to force I, that at all. I, remember, I just remember watching it and like seeing the bomb go off and you're just looking in the air, looking at the camera, and then you realize as it's landing, there is no one near it. It's such an anticlimactic thing. But yeah, it was... Um, well, I liked... Um, there is uh, Roger Sherman, who covers the NFL, used to work for, I don't know, still works at the, at the Ringer, I believe. 
he on Twitter posted the picture right as Hanny's releasing the ball. So it's just frozen in on him. And the quote he put is, this is the moment when Chan Henny thought, this is it. This is what you've been preparing for. This is what you've spent years. This is they've spent years saying you weren't good enough, but they were wrong. Now you can show them. And it's like right as he's releasing the ball on that throw. But I mean, in the end, he got lucky. I thought then when the Browns got the ball back down five, I thought the Browns were going to win. And I will also say, because I think what will be easy in the kind of postmortem of that game for people to go, well, well, the Chiefs would have blown the Browns out with Mahomes, and they probably would have won, obviously, more comfortably than they did. But I actually think on the balance of play, five points was about right for that game, even with Mahomes in. There was there was a bit where, because um, the first quarter, they were kind of shut out a bit, but second quarter, Mayfield started to throw well. And then, obviously, the the touchback in the end zone was a killer, but also the opening drive of the sec- second half. Uh, Mayfield threw an interception as well when he was still passing well. And it was kind of, there was key moments for the Browns that just didn't go their way. Obviously, some well, of them they, with they got lucky though. They got lucky on that interception though, right? Because then the defense held them to a field goal attempt and they missed the field goal. So and the they end, scored they a touchdown off of that. Yeah. So in the end, the interception was kind of meaningless, but the touchback was the, the touchback was the key moment in the game. And and the, in the kind of game in which Mahomes was still involved in, that was the moment at which it felt like the Chiefs won the game. Like the moment that happened, I thought this game was over. And then Mahomes got hurt, and then the game kind of felt like it was alive again. But if the Browns had scored, and they look, it's a lot of ifs and buts or whatever, but I think five points, the Chiefs are obviously the better team. Um, I think five points was about right. And if I'm the Browns, I come out of this season and this postseason feeling really, really good about themselves. I was pretty confused that they extra point missed at the start as well. Like that was that was really missed. Well, yeah, and then I he mean, missed I, the exact same distance on a field goal. Yeah, I, I don't get it. With I, I mean, we've discussed it before, right? I, I just don't understand how NFL kickers struggle with extra points. I, I don't get it. The, I think the the takeaway from that game that kind of worries me, besides whether Mahomes going to be a hundred percent to play, is. I feel like I've been seeing this a lot this year. The Chiefs aren't that great in the red zone scoring touchdowns. I mean, um, they get down, they they drive down consistently, and then I feel like they stall out a lot. I mentioned it about four or five weeks ago that they've got they middle out in the NFL for uh, conversion. Yeah. I think it's saying like fifty eight percent or something like that. Yeah, it's I mean, like it's it's such a strange thing, too, because they can literally drive 70 yards in about eight plays and then they get to the 15 and all of a sudden it's like a nightmare for them. Well, they're 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 59.38 percent on the season. Um, They're 15th out of 32 teams, so they're marginally above average. You have to say why. So what are they? Wait, real quick, though, before you start, what are they for overall touchdowns scored then? Just like, mean? like how many total, like total touchdowns. So what I'm trying to say is, are they scoring a ton of touchdowns outside of the red zone versus in the red zone? I, I, I don't have that stat in front of me, but this is a percentage okay. of the trips to the red zone, right? So, and it's exactly the same last year. They were 60%. So they're down point, 
uh, 6.2% compared to last year. So negligible. The And look, there's one simple reason for that. Look at the teams that are good in the red zone. Green Bay, Tennessee, Seattle, Cleveland, New Orleans, Minnesota, San Francisco, Pittsburgh, Detroit. There's kind of something that plays into all those teams, which is a really good running game. So if you're built like the the Chiefs, you're not going to be as efficient. You need the space for Kelsey to get open, for Hill to get open. Like Obviously, the compressed field is not ideal for them. To me, the bigger concern is just their defense was pretty good, but I think every team left in the playoffs will feel confident that they can score points against the Chiefs. You know, I think the Bills will go into next week feeling like they could keep up, they can keep pace with mm. the Chiefs in a shootout. I think the Packers and the Bucks will feel like they can do the same. And they'll start, I think fundamentally, every team left in the playoffs now will be thinking. We're likely to be involved in shootouts and it's going to come down to not how good our defense is, but can we force one or two turnovers at crucial moments in the game that give us the seven point lead or the three point lead at the right time. And I think that's kind of how almost every team, I mean, the Packers have a really good defense, but it's kind of how all these teams are built that are left in a way. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, for the bills, you could say that they're now coming up against the worst of their playoff run defenses played the Colts and Ravens, right? So now they're going up against what they would consider to be the worst defense that they're going up against. And I guess we could go on to that game, the Bills one, but the Bills haven't really played that well to get through. And I, I, I have a bit of a, well, not a worry, but I think they're just silently a really good shot against the Chiefs. I think we secretly, oh, we mentioned offline that there might be a way of telling what our picks are going to be in a few days, but... I think the Bills are going to sleepwalk into a really good game there. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing is we, a, we don't know if Mahomes is playing, obviously if Mahomes doesn't play, he almost certainly will. But if Mahomes doesn't play, then the bills are heavy favorites. If, but even said if minus does, three, they said, what? If, they Mahomes said if, if Mahomes doesn't play, the bills would be a minus three. The bills would be a three point favorite. If so just the, if Mahomes does play, then the Chiefs would be like a three to a four point favorite. The Chiefs it's about are a touchdown swing. They the are Chiefs the are a three point favorite right now. Yeah, uh, that's crazy to me. Patrick Mahomes is only worth six points. I know. I think that's kind of crazy. <laughs> that, that's, yeah, I'll put it this way: if you tell me that Patrick Mahomes is not playing and that the Bills are only three point favorites, it's going to be an absolute lock of the year that they are <laughs> they're winning and covering. But, um. Regardless of whether or not he plays, and I'm going to assume he does, he was already hurt. He already has turf toe or whatever he has wrong with his foot or ankle. He's obviously not going to be 100% in this game with the combination of probably being concussed and having an injury to his foot. He was struggling throughout that game, and he was missing throws that he would have never missed had he been healthy. So if I'm the Bills, that I like that a lot too. I'll say that Bills-Ravens game, which in the end the Bills won – comfortably and obviously i was the only one that i'm not going to say i would have picked the bills like i still stick to the ravens i felt like that was fundamentally an even game and it came down to that pick six which okay you know like big plays change big games but it on the otherwise i think i didn't walk away from that feeling like well the bills are definitely better than the ravens 
And that fills me with confidence for them going forward in the playoffs. Yeah, it was a really cagey game, but also the wind just kind of messed it up a bit, right? What was that, like four four missed field goals from pretty, yeah. pretty standard ranges? I mean, yeah, the field goals were misses, and, and then I think... Oh, that I punt. don't. Well, I, uh, the punt too, but I also don't think I realized how windy it was because there was two or three deep balls that like Josh Allen had that I think in a normal game, like put him in a dome, he's not missing them. And one of them, he missed by... 10 yards almost and the look on his face was he could tell he was almost confused by it so I think the win was even playing a little bit into that and that is kind of the Bills game a little bit they do like to throw that deep ball because Allen can throw it so well so maybe that it affected a little bit but overall I wasn't super impressed by the Bills uh, I I don't know I mean it's it's tough I mean you take away that pick six and it's literally a 10-10 game right that's a, that's a 14 point swing so they weren't that great. Um, they did a good job, I think, of containing Lamar Jackson, which was impressive. But offensively, maybe it was the win, but I wasn't super impressed. And, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I think a lot is just going to depend on Mahomes. But I think the other issue, too, with Mahomes is what kind of play calls are they going to give him? Because even in that game, I mean, the play he got concussed on was it was his second QB option they ran. I cannot see them calling the QB option next week, whether he's in or not. So they're going to have to change their game plan a little bit with them too. So that's going to make them a little less effective. And who knows if he's going to be a little hesitant too. Yeah, maybe. I will say just on your Josh Allen point, he has been very accurate this year on deep throws. And that has been the big difference between him this year and last year. And that's the only thing. I think the wind is responsible for it, and you kind of saw it a little bit on Lamar Jackson on one deep throw that he missed uh, towards the end. Oh, not Lamar Jackson, whoever that guy it was. was who came, it was Huntley. Huntley yeah, who yeah. missed on when he came in as a replacement. I'll, I'll, I'll actually, give Allen the credit. I won't give Huntley, who I've never seen throw a deep. Watch, I have, because he was at Utah. I've seen him play a few times. But. but that's the issue, right? Because either Josh Allen, it's down to the wind, which it probably is, but another factor might be it's the playoffs. And maybe that's Josh Allen who, okay, he lined his his hip movement up with his arm coming forward. Like these were the big improvements he made supposedly. But he was the worst quarterback in the NFL a year ago on throws over 20 yards. Now he's one of the best. So there is also a possibility that just over the remainder of the season or next year to come, he's at least going to regress slightly towards what he used to be. I guess the one game that we can spend the least amount of time on was Packers-Rams, which, A, we all picked the Packers to win, all picked the Packers to cover. It turned into exactly the kind of game you expected it to be. The Packers yeah. won easily. The Rams had nothing on offense. Their defense was fine, but it wasn't going to shut the Packers out. Yeah, it was the most form game, almost just the way it played out as well, like you said. They, they were just shutting the Rams down, but also the Rams weren't that great defensively either and they needed to be perfect um so offensively they brought very little defensively there was cracks so therefore rogers was going to absolutely tear that up and so they did so yeah it was one of the easier ones to pick right but they were also just playing a really good offense and a lot of the rams best defensive performances had happened against offenses that weren't that great or at least the very best were inconsistent 
So, okay, very good against the Cardinals, but the Cardinals had terrible offensive performances against really bad defenses as well. And the Seahawks, who had really bad offensive performances against really bad defenses as well. So it might just be a case of the Rams' defense looked a little bit better than it was because it got to play against offenses that were not amazing. And then it came up against the Packers, which is one of the best offenses in the league. Well, I mean, the Rams are still a top three defense across the whole season, right? And then Rogers still goes and puts 500 yards or just under on them. So it's I, that's a bigger mark for Green Bay than it is against the Rams. But yeah, I mean, Green Bay, what for sure second favorites, but is anyone putting them as favorites at the moment if they play the Chiefs or Bills? I, I don't know. I mean, they look good. I mean, I kind of agree with you, Sam. I think I think the Rams are probably one of the better defenses in the NFL and the Packers just steamrolled through them. I mean, 63 yards, field goal, 84 yards, touchdown, 50 yards, touchdown, 50 yards, field goal, 75 yards, touchdown. That was their first five drives. I mean, that's, if you can do that on the Rams, I mean, then shit, they're going to put up 35 points against the chiefs on the first five drives. Right. I mean, it's maybe look when I look at as I said, your defense will look good if you play against teams that aren't that good either, right? And even when you look for an adjusted, look for DVOA adjusted um, for your opponent, the Rams were only the fourth best defense in the league. And when you look at the teams that were around them, I see a lot of defenses there that I wouldn't consider to be so incredibly elite. Pittsburgh was the number one defense adjusted for opponent. The Saints were the second. Washington was the third. All three of those defenses have had pretty mediocre performances in the postseason but i guess the game that was the real talking point of the weekend was the bucks saints which was close but never really good and then the final quarter was basically dedicated to drew Brees retiring which was a talking point coming in because Schefter um reported that drew Brees was going to retire at the end of this season no matter what happened. Uh, and then and once it became clear that the this was definitely going to be his final game, I don't know how I would feel if I had been him. I kind of want the sign-off, but I maybe don't want... I don't. I maybe don't want the in-game sign-off, if you see what I mean. I maybe want the game to end and then a bunch of people in a studio to talk about how great my career was. I don't know if I want midway through the fourth quarter as I throw my fourth interception to have people Third. being like... Third water to have people saying, Hey, let's just remember how good Drew Brees was. Yeah. I mean, he was caught waving to all the fans as well, which a lot of people are saying is the um one of the markers that retirement for sure is going to be a thing. I assume it hasn't been confirmed over the past day or two. It would have been pretty major news, but um yeah, that would it was unfortunate because the thing for the Saints is when the, for for quite a lot of that game. The Saints look pretty solid. Um, the secondary, their secondary looked really good against Brady. Brady didn't look that good either. I, I think the Saints had the better run of it, especially in the first half. It was just I really don't know. I do not know which midway, game you were watching. Midway through the third onwards, I just you could just see that Saints collapse happening, and it, it was offensively a collapse. But there was also a lot of moments that Brady was almost picked a couple of times as well. They didn't stick or something like that. Well, there was a penalty against them. There was points where Brady got lucky. And I just think Brees didn't get that luck. But simultaneously, you had two 
Hall of Fame QBs. You don't get luck when you throw a lame duck five yards away from your receiver. Like the difference, Brady nearly threw some interceptions and Brady did not look, you know, if I gave Brady a grade, it would have been like a C minus for that game. He wasn't good. But Brady, uh, Drew Brees didn't complete the test. Like, no. <laughs> he's, you know, Drew Brees' so, arm fell off while he was trying to mark in the answer B or something. Yeah. So, I mean, he's like stabbed himself in the eye with a pencil as he tried to fill it in. So, <laughs> but, but that's been a, but that's been a marker of Brees for most of this season. There wasn't anything, it was just a really bad performance, but it's not like he's been throwing bombs all season and then all oh. of a sudden goes into a single game and we're like, oh Sam. my God, where was his arm? Sam, that's why I picked the box. That's uh, I told you a week ago that he has no arm and that, you know, I, we, I joked with Frank during the game when, when he threw that pick, when Kamara thought um, uh, Troy Aikman made the remark of like, Oh, Kamara thought he was cutting downfield and that he was going to be hit like further down the field. It's like, well, that's as far as Drew Brees can throw it. Like there's no point being wide open 40 yards downfield. He can't hit you. Um, so yeah, it came as no surprise. I think it's a kind of sad way to end what will be a hall of fame career. And if you're a relatively young person and you've only seen Drew Brees for the last two years, it's going to be a little bit hard to believe when someone tells you that he used to be one of the most explosive like quarterbacks in the league and that like the saints offense, which now has just turned into watching paint dry used to be this incredibly like the saints were the chiefs 10 years ago. Is it really going to shock you watching a 42 year old, not have the arm he used to? Well, actually I'll, I'll tell you what shocks me. It shocks me how quickly he's regressed. Now I'll preface that by saying last postseason. They were knocked out by the Vikings in overtime and he played a pretty, pretty shitty game then. And I remember saying like, oh man, this could start to be the end of Drew Brees. Cause, but it was only one bad game. The rest of that season, he played decently, like uh, of a good caliber, but the drop off from last year to this year has just been insane. I mean, I'll tell you right now, that was, I also joked with Eddie, that was the second worst QB performance I've seen all season. <laughs> and the only one that was worse was when the Broncos asked a, a wide receiver from their practice squad to step in two days before and play QB. I mean, that was that, that was such a bad performance. It was difficult to watch at the end. Like I watched the game because it's a playoff game, but part of me, like it wasn't even football at a point. He looked terrible. And Eddie joked or asked about, you know, do you want a send off at the end or an in-game send off? I think they should have given him a true in-game send off and pulled no, him. Like, no, no. because no, come you on, can't, I, you can't do that. I honestly, I'm a big. There was one good throw in the Saints game, and that was yeah, Jemias Winston. Winston. At least say Jameis. <laughs> if you <gonna, laughs> look, the, I know there's no loyalty in sports anymore. But at a certain moment, like in anything in life, for anyone in their career, you can earn the right to go out on your own terms. And if Drew Brees wanted to play in that game and finish that game, then he got to finish that game even if every throw he threw was an interception. Like, fundamentally, he brought football back to life in New Orleans. He won them a Super Bowl. He turned them into one of the most exciting teams in the league. 
and he did all of that with the guy who's still his head coach for them to pull him and for his final moment in the league to be being benched in a game that they probably would have lost anyway that like if Winston had come in they probably still lose that's really I'm not saying they should have done that I agree with you on all of that sense I'm saying in a normal situation that player doesn't finish that game if that weren't Drew Brees, let's say that's Mitch Trubisky, I he's gone at that. halftime. Yeah, I agree with that. And I'm not saying I would have done it to Brees because I agree with you. I mean, he means more to New Orleans than most players mean to any city. You know, so like he deserved to finish that game out. You're right. But if that weren't Drew Brees, that was such a bad performance that he does not finish that game. You have to go to the tank and put in someone else. Look, yes, yes and no. There is a number of quarterbacks like Patrick Mahomes isn't getting benched during that. Aaron Rodgers isn't getting benched during that. Tom Brady is not getting benched during that. Yeah, but like, they're not playing like that. <laughs> no, but you're you're using Mitch Trubisky, a guy whose job was constantly under question. The reality is that most quarterbacks would have been able to finish that game if they were just the guy. And Drew Brees is well, he was the guy and he got to have one final game as the guy. What about Wentz? Super Bowl winner, same amount as Breeze. Can't say the same consistent amount of performances has a minute. Wentz isn't. Wentz is only. Wentz is only a Super Bowl winner on paper. He hasn't played in a Super Bowl. He's played in as many Super Bowls as I have. No, I'm just saying. Like, look, I'm not. And I think Wentz isn't nearly as bad as he's being made out to be at the moment. But he, you know, like. Drew Brees was an elite quarterback Hall of Famer who for several seasons of his career could have been argued was the best quarterback in the league and who at certain moments during his career was maybe even entering into the argument of like greatest QB of all time. That's a very different to just because Carson Wentz's team made it to a Super Bowl once when he was on crutches. Yeah. Do you think Taysom Hill being out made a difference? No. Just based on the fact that they brought Winston in for one play and he and he has a he has a touchdown throw and they never went back to him. That's a sign that I think Sean Payton had made up his mind. Obviously they've spoken about. It. I'm sure Sean No, no, Payton- not not to put Breeze in. I mean, not oh. to put Hill in, oh, but just that, that their game plan that, you know, they didn't run. No. I mean, you don't run the plays. You have, what, a dozen plays that Hill usually runs a game that are decently effective? No, I mean, what you fundamentally saw over the course of that game was the Bucks adjusting to the fact that they had nothing to fear for anything more than 10 yards downfield. And so over the course of the game, they just got to shift to a moment where they got their secondary were basically playing like linebackers. They could shut Kamara down because they knew it's like either going to be a run, a throw to the backfield and to Kamara or like a quick throw on a slant or something. We don't have to be at all worried about someone burning us and being hit on a 60 yard play apart from obviously when Winston came in, but that was the killer. And so I think you could have put anyone out there. I mean, the fact, look, Michael Thomas got through that game without a single reception. So, I mean, I don't know what's happened to Michael Thomas. He's, his career has fallen off a cliff faster than Drew Brees's. <laughs> but, but 
you know, I think you could have put any number of weapons around Drew Brees and it wouldn't have made an, a, a jot of difference. But I guess that's the question I'll then ask was, which team, and it could have been one of the losing teams, which team impressed you the most from the divisional round? Well, the Bucks and Saints didn't really impress. The Bills and Ravens didn't really impress. So that kind of leaves two games. I would probably say as a losing team, the Browns, but as a winning team, the Packers. I'd probably go as the, if I'm allowed two, I'll take two. I'd probably say the Browns were good in defeat and the Packers just looked amazing in victory. The Packers, to me, I think, impressed me the most just because they're consistently just throwing up a ton of points and their offense just week in and week out. You know, I, you can't doubt this offense anymore and I can keep making excuses up for why I want to doubt it, but it's just, you know, every week, week in and week out, they're consistently a great offense and their defense. I don't know what they were playing in the Rams, but they shut the Rams down to like 150 yards or something like that. I, I mean, I don't know if Derek Goff's even the starter next year anymore at this at the rate he's progressing, regressing. He, look, he's injured. We got to give him a bit of a break. We think yeah. he's injured. <laughs> no, he's, he's it was he all hoax. He never even had surgery. <laughs> I mean, it's, you got to give him a little bit. Of, I feel a little bit sorry for him because under normal circumstances, he just wouldn't have been playing in that game. So I actually think he was a little bit better than I expected him to be, but I expected him to be a complete dumpster fire and he was just a dumpster but that's like that's <laughs> the dumpster with a match right next to it <laughs> yeah yeah no it was in the vicinity of a big fire but he wasn't actually on fire himself wow the, the browns i think slightly impressed me um they could have won that game and i think that is impressive they still let the chiefs i think go for like what 450 yards or something like that um and their run game, which is supposedly the backbone of their offense, only went for like 120 yards as well. They did lose their left tackle in, on the first drive. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, I think it's most impressive just in a season, the Browns. I mean, going from what they were two, three years ago to then last year, everyone running their mouth and them kind of eating their own words and then this year kind of putting their head down and having a really, really good season. I think they have a lot to build off of this. And especially now, like we said, they were playing with the house's money and now they can leave this playoff saying, you know what? We were right there with the best team in the NFL and we probably could have beat them. So there's no reason to believe that we can't win a Super Bowl next year. Yeah, no, they've turned themselves into legitimate Super Bowl contenders. They have to be taken seriously. And I also think that whereas early in the season there were question marks around Baker Mayfield, like people even talking about the idea of him being losing the starting job in Cleveland at times over the course of this year, he's answered his critics and shown that he's a, kind of the real deal in the NFL and that Cleveland has their starting quarterback for the foreseeable future. So I think from that perspective, they have to be happy that – I mean, the only big question the Cleveland Browns have is what do you do with Odell Beckham Jr.? That's the big question. Can yeah, just, I mean... You can't really just get rid of him, though, can you? I'm assuming there's some big hit to be taken there. If yeah, I'm sure it's a huge hit. It's like taking a fucking dump on your chest worth style hit. <laughs> oh, God. 
Um, yeah, I'm sure. I don't know exactly what the cap penalty would be from trading him, but I'm sure that there's they'd have some dead cap money. Um, but also, I don't know what his trade value is coming off a serious injury. He's not young anymore. Not that he's old, but it's not like you're trading a 23-year-old wide receiver. You're trading a really high-earning wide receiver with questionable personality traits. And I'm not talking about the, the <laughs> dumb stuff. I'm just talking about that as a teammate, do you want to invite Odo Beckham Jr. into your locker room? He kind of needs a good season where he shows that you do. Oh, and, and hurt too. I mean, physically, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're probably looking at at least a few more weeks into the next season that he's at least trying to get back to full fitness. So difficult I, yeah. to trade. Yeah. Interesting. I just saw is the Ravens released RG3. Perhaps the Chiefs pick up RG3 as their new backup. <laughs> yeah, it would be in. I mean, I'm going to assume they stick with any, but it would be an interesting argument of if they really, if today they know Mahomes isn't playing, do they consider what can they bring in to try and help? I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm assuming if they know Mahomes isn't playing, they got to bring someone in because I don't know who their third string quarterback is, but I'm going to guess they, he isn't good enough that you want him as the backup in a championship in the AFC championship game. It's, but, it's Chad Henna. It's good. That's why it gets really confusing because it's Henny and Henna are the two and three backups. <laughs> I did. And then their, their practice squad is Chad Heine. <laughs> I did think it was kind of cringy that on Twitter, I think it was Michigan because I think Henny went to Michigan. We're trying to get anything as possible started as like a trending hashtag, which I think actually happened. It's pretty clever. Yeah, because Mahomes it? sent it out. He did after, but yeah, but he doesn't know what he's typing though. So he's just lucky that that was coherent. <laughs> he just randomly just, typed in letters and it came out to anything as possible. Yeah. He just mashed the keys with his yeah. hand. Yeah. But oh, that's the funny side you know, of concussion. You know, that's the move too. And I'm not saying that this did happen, but if he was basically not compass mentis at that point, that like his girlfriend or someone would be like, let's send out a tweet so that everyone thinks that Patrick's okay. Like you do that for sure. Cause you know, you want to play a week from now. Like if I was unconscious, you know, that you'd get like a friend of yours or whatever, getting on your, like logging into your Twitter and being like, feeling great guys. Even if I'm like vomiting blood, he'd be like, never felt better. Just, you know, cleared the head feeling really great for next week. So happy you we won. You are incredibly skeptical of people's surrounding a concussion, aren't you? Like, <laughs> I mean, rightly so. <laughs> like we're talking about a league and a world in which we've just seen, you know, massive concussion problems. I don't. And look, I'm not being critical of the players. If, if I were playing in the NFL, I would have fundamentally already processed and assessed if I wanted to risk in, in this era, if I wanted to risk long-term, like, do I think earning millions of dollars right now and having kind of living my best life right now is worth potentially being a vegetable at 55? You have to make that assessment. If you haven't, then you're being naive. But like, that is, that is the process you should be going through. 
Yeah. So, I mean, my other question too, then is obviously he wants to play or the organization wants him to play so they can win this championship. But do you think there's any part of him and or the organization that's thinking, Hey, listen, we've got, let's be conservative, 10 more years for you to be the top QB, top three QBs, whatever you want to argue in the NFL. Maybe we just sit this one out. If we win, we win. If we lose, we lose. But at least we know that we've got nine or 10 more years that we don't jeopardize. Like, do you think there's part of them thinking that as well? Like more long-term than just we need to win today? I hope so. I hope someone in the room says like, look, guys, we won last year. So, and even if Mahomes' window is 10 to 15 years, even if you were being negative, you would say this Chiefs team window is at least another three years. Like, it's not like they're in the situation of, well, Kelsey's about to leave or Hill's about to leave. Like, they can be safe in the knowledge that they are going to be Super Bowl contenders slash Super Bowl favorites for the next three or four years easily. So I do hope someone's at least thinking about that and saying, do we want to risk maybe three Super Bowls to maybe win one, which potentially is what you're doing. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's that I think alone is a tough decision, you know, whether even if he is cleared and let's just say he's cleared for the sake of being cleared, not being cleared because they're rushing him, but he's cleared let's just say he is healthy technically do you still run that risk and i i i don't know if i do to be honest i mean i understand you want to you always want to win you never know what's going to happen next year but you ha- you've signed him to a mega contract you know why are you risking all of that for for one potential super bowl win when you're right because I, I think they have Kelsey and Hill locked up for several years. You have Mahomes locked up. You have Edwards Allaire on a rookie contract for at least three years now. So you have at least two, three more years with this team. I I would be hesitant in putting it back, even if he is healthy and he says he's okay and ready. Yeah, I don't know. It's risky. I guess part of it will be if you're the if you're Andy Reid or if you're the Chiefs, how good do you feel about Henny? Like if you great, think great Chad- punter. If you think he could win you, a, if he, if you think he could beat the Bills, then I'd be even more tempted to say, now maybe you have Mahomes dress for the game, but be the backup, on and see like let's see let's see where we are at halftime. Maybe we don't need you, but then to feel to have that approach, you have to really feel like you can legitimately win a game with with Henny. And even if anything is possible, I don't know if that's the case. But I mean, if Mahomes is dressed up to play, then he's been cleared to play, right? Yeah, so. but it's it's yeah, but it's about more. I think as ranks, it's more than just cleared. It's you could be cleared, but hey, there's we're clearing you, but there are risks here, and obviously there are risks. Um, so I don't know. I don't know what I would do. I don't know how I would feel if I were him. You've got $500 million in the bank and you've got a Super Bowl ring. Maybe you just think I'm, I'm thinking about my long-term future or maybe think I'm kind of invincible 
not that you, you know, you know, I don't mean that as an insult to him, but you, you think like, I think I'll be fine. I can tough it out. I'm, it's not going to happen to me twice. I mean, there is the legitimate thing that the doctor's clear him and he is fine. I mean, let's be honest here. There's no, not everything has to be one massive skeptical mess about putting him in or his futures on the line. Like if he feels fine and is clear to play and that is genuinely the case, then there's no problem. No, but, and here's the other side of the coin, right? If you're the Bills, you're going after Mahomes every play. And I don't mean this, like, I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm not like Bounty Gate, Saints, Vikings level, but you're definitely saying, hey, if we have to take a couple flags for a little bit of roughing the passer or for the occasional, like, late hit here, you do it. Like, we're, we will take, a hundred yards of penalties to really make him feel that he's been in a game. Well, I think that kind of is bounty gate. What you're literally describing there where you're, you're making illegal plays to hurt someone. No, but because I, I don't think you even have to go that far. I think you just say, we're going to put a ton of pressure on them. We're going to blitz. We're going to, we're going to try and make sure we can get a, a, even a legal hit on him, at least just a few hits on him. Because I agree, because who knows what it takes to get a, to get another concussion. I mean, at this point, it could just be him falling to the ground in an awkward way, kind of gives him a whiplash <laughs> and, it, and is, it's back, you know? Just to be clear, I wasn't advocating them like full. You said if they get 100 yards yeah. of penalties, it doesn't <laughs> <Yeah>. matter. <laughs> I mean, that's only, that's only wow. six penalties. Give them seven penalties. Give, seven. give Eddie an NFL team and just see the damage they do. <laughs> no, seven look, delayed hits. I'm not advocating their, like, the bounty gate thing, right? They were paying the money, like, if you can legitimately hurt someone. I'm not saying try to hurt him. I'm just saying try to make him know he was in a game. Isn't that the same <laughs> not hurt thing? Him, just illegally just be, hit him. Yeah, it's one of those things where you'd be winking at someone as you say that sentence. Like, don't hurt Mahomes, but remember he's in a game. <laughs> For those not watching, Sam, Sam just closed both his eyes in the weirdest wink. wink I've seen. Yeah, that, was, that wasn't a wink. But I put it this way. If someone gave me those instructions and gave your facial thing, I'd be like, oh, it's a shame that my head coach just got Bell's palsy. Like, mid. <laughs> mid. So, man, my, my coach has had a stroke. <laughs> yeah. We don't need to worry about Patrick Mahomes. We need to worry about our, our head coach right now. But <laughs> I'm, I think Bounty Gate was advocating really dirty plays, like literally like ramming people into the ground, super late hits, going after the head, going after their knees. I'm just saying you bump into him and make him fall over. Like if you're the, if you're the lineman and... Again, it's so passive aggressive. Really not helping your argument too much. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, legitimately, you're just a 300-pound no, man. You've set your man. tone now. You've set your tone. Everything like, you now say is going to be related to hurting Mahomes. Yeah, in life. Yeah, everything I do. <laughs> I'm going to work today. <laughs> just fly into Kansas City to hunt down Patrick. <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> but no, um, I mean, and let's also talk about the fact we had a couple Duca curses uh, this weekend, and Patrick. You don't Mahomes, even know. You don't even know the Duca curse that we had. Patrick Wait. Mahomes, kind of one of them, because you know Frank spent this entire season just with a Patrick Mahomes love fest, 
And I remember one week saying he was holding himself back because he didn't want Patrick Mahomes to get hurt. Well, he got into the playoffs and he got hurt. Gets worse. What else? For Christmas, my mom is also a big Patrick Mahomes fan. I got my mom a Patrick Mahomes t-shirt. Yesterday was the first time she's ever worn that t-shirt. <laughs> and then sent a picture with, look at the shirt I've got on, pointing to the back of the Patrick Mahomes t-shirt. He was out of the game an hour later. <laughs> yeah. No, it's... um. I mean, yeah. And then also mid-game, mid-Browns-Chiefs game. Well, I guess it was... I guess at halftime, I don't know if the second half had started at that point, but Frank sent me a message saying, the Browns are 10 to 1. Like, is that too big? And then he blamed me because I said, it's definitely too big. I mean, it's, it's too small in my mind. But the thing going for them is Baker Mayfield is playing really well. And then he threw that interception like instantly after I said that. Yeah, Sam. Think- so who's the curse in that scenario? The person who asks a question of whether plus 10 is too much or the person who says, no, Baker Mayfield's playing great. And then he instantly goes and throws interception two plays later. It's the Baker Mayfield. Thank but you. I, There's a little I, chicken egg there, but, but here's, here's my in, Baker. Then the event happened to Baker. But it's in, look, he said it's 10 to one too big. And I said, no, it's too small. So I was already downplaying the Browns' chance. I was saying they're going to lose but he was the bright spot obviously implied in Frank's 10 to one is well, the quarterback must be playing well. Cause you don't see a team losing at 10 to one and be like, this seems like really good value. The quarterback's absolutely terrible. <laughs> like he initiated the conversation. He opened up the possibility of the Duke of curse. I just allowed this, it. I love be- looking into Eddie's mind. Sometimes it's like if anyone mentions anything about something that he can then link back to an event that occurs, it's instantly like that. This is why. This is why I normally mid game try and shut conversations down. I either flat out just ignore the comment, or I say something <laughs> to tell someone to stop. And it's because I don't think I'm going to bring the jinx, but you've opened up the the universe has acknowledged the fact that this conversation is taking place. You're listening to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> in the, which which force in the universe is acknowledging this conversation? Just the just the the ether, the, the gods of gambling. Not ga- It's not gambling related. It's it's the gods of luck and chance. Gambling, like no, because <laughs> no, I need to always specify this is separate from. I don't want I. You know, like there's things that I've never had any money on, and then I know that I can they, be, they can be jinxed. It can be what I want to happen. It's not related to a bet. I had no financial interest in the Browns winning, for example. So is that because not- the bets have gone down with the Browns? <laughs> no, no, he had the Chiefs. <laughs> like, okay. I had the Chiefs. I had. But I had financial interest in quite the opposite. So if anything, I should have been inviting. I should have been telling Frank, being like, no, 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 say more about the, how good the Browns are, please, Frank. <laughs> mm, you're the kind of person that would never win in that scenario, though, right? Because you'd be saying, I can't give a false positive on it because then it will happen. 100%. Nor can I, I talk bu- about it anyway. So you I don't, do just permit yourself. 
I don't believe in the reverse jinx. Frank tries it sometimes. I don't really believe in the reverse jinx. And I think that the the karma of your comment only comes into play when the comment is genuine. Like it has to be heartfelt in order for the universe to pay attention to it. Don't let me in here with Frank tries to reverse jinx sometimes. Yeah, 100%. No, no, no. 100% Frank. <laughs> you have on at least 50 occasions tried to do the reverse jinx. I try and do the closest I come to the reverse jinx is to insult the team, as in to tell the universe how bad they are. But that is not to reverse jinx them. That is so that they acknowledge you the fact that they are. You too sometimes reverse jinx when you would send a message like, well, this is over. Yeah, but that's not me. No, that is me saying to the universe, I have accepted this. This is heartfelt. I have, I have acknowledged the fact that this game is over. I have acknowledged that this, I have acknowledged that Barcelona will never score. I have acknowledged that Lionel Messi's career is done. Can you, Frank, can you imagine him saying it like this as well? Like out of the window to the street. No, I'm looking for his, his Bayern Munich comment that he just made like two days ago, where <laughs> no, he explain. says that he, he made them score and win. He literally <laughs> I mean, made a comment that he said, see, my comment worked. <laughs> so no, I'll, I'll give the context there. Bayern Munich, I'll go through the whole sequence I went through during the Bayern Munich Freiburg match on Sunday. I was doing some work and watching the game with the sound off just on my laptop game in the background. Bayern Munich were playing quite well. They scored. They went up. They then missed a number of chances to kill the game off, at which point I knew, because Bayern Munich are one of those teams, they tend to either kill games off. If the game is close, they will always let the other team back in. Like, this is just a feeling I have with Bayern. And I finish my work. I close my laptop. Freiburg had a corner. And I turned the sound on and they scored from the corner. And then I thought, uh-oh, I've like, my actions have changed this a little bit. <laughs> so then I watched for another 10 minutes. Bayern weren't looking great. And I thought, I now have to undo everything I've just done. So sound off, laptop back open, work back open, and then message Frank saying, Bayern Munich aren't playing well or whatever I said. Bayern Munich are going to ruin my day instant Bayern Munich goal. And you want to know how close it then got to blowing it. In the injury time, I wanted to hear the commentary, so I turned the sound back on. Freiburg hit the crossbar with like a minute left. They should have scored. And I would have been I would have been solely responsible. It wasn't Bayern's inability to defend that was leaving Freiburg players unmarked in the penalty area. That wasn't the issue. It's they put the sound on on my TV. It's unreal. Yeah, he messaged me and said, it's Byron that are determined to ruin my weekend. Totally dominant. I knew that I was in trouble. He like described the play. And then 30 minutes later, the next message from him was, that's good chat power. Because <laughs> they obviously had scored to win. <laughs> no, they'd won at that moment. The chat power was instant. <laughs> the chat itself. The, the... Look, I'm a believer. You, you're never gonna, I'm never going to be a non-believer. In what? Exactly in, what? <laughs> in his power to change outcomes of the world that aren't specific to gambling. So you are somewhat of a deity. Is no, I think, <laughs> I think everyone, look, the fact that I, I don't want people saying He thinks I'm think like a everyone. demon. Because <laughs> mine are always negative. <laughs> I think everyone has this power. It's just, oh you know, it's God, the butterfly. It's the self-help guy that goes on to like the 
on the, on the road and they do all those self-help motivational talks, aren't they? You have the power in you to change results. Eddie's going to oh, be the next guy who writes a book like The Secret. Yes. <laughs> yeah. There's every chance that the we've talked about Stoop Juice being the spinoff from this podcast. The real spinoff is going to be my cult. That's going to be that's going to be where we're really going to have the followers. I'm going to have a cult, I'm going to have a cult on Patreon. I'm going to like be groundbreaking in that respect, and just going to have my followers just talking about the positive vibes they send into the universe and how that can the butterfly effect of those positive vibes can influence events that they have no direct involvement in. But that's what I don't get. It's like, where would it, it would just be a big stew of people going down the rabbit hole of blaming each other for something that they did. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> He's going to be like Keith Raniere for Nexium. Here we have ourselves the next Keith Raniere. And you're going to see Eddie like grow a ponytail and he's going to start playing volleyball with all of his followers. Yes. <laughs> just I'm telling people that they have the power to change themselves and to change the world. Exactly. It's, it's the literally power. what he says. It's the power of positive energy, right? That's an incredibly meaningful message to tell the universe and to tell the world. People will react well. I can just imagine you being a really erratic cult leader, though, because some guy will just be sat there and you'll go over and punch him in the face because half an hour ago he turned his sound off. And so no, by no, no, no. Lost. <laughs> no, I wouldn't I wouldn't attack someone, but you would get every once in a while. Some people would get kicked out of the cult pretty easily. See, yeah, and now, Sam, it's coming full circle. This is then why I have to murder Eddie. And then this is how you get your podcast about how I murdered Eddie. And it develops not only into a serial podcast, but into like a cult podcast. Yeah, You're going to really be a setting, hit, Sam. We're really You're setting set you up for here. gold. You should thank us because we're, we're really putting you in the great position to have. In the world, you should thank me when I take Eddie's cult down. <laughs> or you're the Antichrist. Maybe this yeah. is it. You're Christ and I'm the Antichrist. Yeah. There was a semi-implication that he's Christ. It's... <laughs> it wasn't a semi-implication. It was a complete implication, obviously. If he's the Antichrist and his goal is to murder me, then obviously I'm Christ. I love how he's Christ, but he still has to do things to affect games. <laughs> yeah, we don't know how Jesus works. Yeah, Jesus wasn't, he wasn't a he wizard. He, he kind of was. He wasn't Gandalf. <laughs> Yeah, so <laughs> when Jesus made the water into wine, he actually had to go sit in the bathroom and turn off his feed for his game that he was watching. And then the water turned to wine. 100%, yeah. Locked himself Jesus, why isn't this water wine? I don't know. I'm, I'm in my normal spot that I usually am. Maybe yeah. I got to change it up this time. Let me go into the bathroom. <laughs> Let me clean my teeth. Let me try 100%. standing in the kitchen. Yeah, 100%. Maybe that was even the thing. His last desperate attempt to make something happen, he thought, I got to nail myself to that cross. Yeah, I we, took we, someone down from a cross earlier. <laughs> so now exactly. I'm I have to even it back out. I've, I misread 100%. Now I think, oh, there's my bestseller, Rethinking Christ. That's the first step towards my cult. What kind of psycho is nailing people to crosses? Because at some point, someone was removed from a cross. Look, I'm not advocating that people do that nowadays. I'm just saying he, in his era, the crucifixion, right, was fairly commonplace. So that might be the equivalent of me sitting in my bathroom. I was going to say that's the equivalent of, of like when an announcer says like, this guy's never missed from this distance. And then he missed 100%. Look, the world has acknowledged the commentator's curse, right? 
I'm just taking the commentator's curse one step further. But the universe has accepted the commentator's curse. This is like the first piece of evidence the world has acknowledged. I am just revealing more of the truth. I need a name for your cult, though. I'll think of a good one. It takes some time. I'll have to wait for inspiration to strike. Maybe if you go sit in the bathroom for a little bit, it'll come to you. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I don't maybe. mean that in like a you pooping situation. I mean that in no, a no, you luck situation. We also have to clarify here. When I sit in the bathroom, I'm not sitting in my toilet. I'm going to my bathroom that has like my shower and stuff. Because the, the go-to move is for me to brush my teeth. I'm obviously not brushing my teeth with my head in my toilet bowl. What? Why would your head be in the toilet bowl? <laughs> saying do it like a normal dip. person and sit on the toilet bowl and brush your teeth at the same time that's what oh everyone else does Mo- multitasking in a bathroom is weird are you do you do that frank that is disgusting no, <laughs> no. okay you had to backtrack there you revealed you know, a little bit too much about yourself you know what i also thought always this is along the same line that i always think is an interesting idea if you're on the bath so i don't do this if you're on the bathroom and you're eating is that defeating the purpose of going to the bathroom because you have no net loss? <laughs> I mean, if you think that bodily functions only occur for your like balancing you, out your caloric intake, you need to go check your bowels. <laughs> you finish <laughs> just slipping through. I mean, that might be that might be a little bit alarming. Well, fundamentally kind of correct. Very, very wrong. <laughs> you know who would love that argument? Tim. Tim. <laughs> Even I thought Tim then. <laughs> but no. Uh, yeah. Was, but no, that's. So how about Liverpool, huh? <laughs> There's a team that could use putting Speaking some positive of shit. lives yeah. and karma into the universe. They you haven't are... scored what in their last three matches? Yeah. In Premier League matches? Yeah, no, I mean, they, and they don't really look like scoring, which I think is the real cause for concern, which we've spoken about yeah. a couple of times. Um, but yeah, no, they look like they are struggling. And it's a bit odd because they still, all of their attacking components are still there. It's defensively that they're missing players. And yet they've just lost something going forward. Yeah, there's some sort of missing link at the moment between their midfield and like Mane, Firmino. It, it's just not there. I, I saw the stat where um, they beat Palace 7-0. So they scored seven goals with like 14 shots. And since then, they've scored one with 62. And like you say, all the components are there. They're not losing anyone. I don't know. It, like Klopp continued to be a bit of a penis, didn't he, when it came to it, when he said correct me i'm paraphrasing here but he basically said like how are you meant to play against a team that just comes here with world-class players and sits far back as they do and it's like well i I think it was i think it was i think it was even worse what he said because that was that would have been excusing them not scoring that like look these are world-class players playing defensively his was more like a critique of solskjaer and united where it's what a shame to see a team with so many talented players just sitting back and defending. It is more like, this isn't how the sport should be played. You're wasting all the talent you have. You know, just, It just owes to him being a bit of a sore loser. They, they drew, but it just comes across that if they don't win, something that wasn't Liverpool's problem was the problem with the game. Like, 
the implication from Klopp was they would have scored goals if Manu set themselves up differently. But over the past three games, we've had history to suggest that they're not scoring at the moment. Well, also, United had the better chances to score in the game. So even if United were set up defensively, you know, they came far closer and at the end had a couple of really good chances. I mean, it required a really good save from Allison from, uh, to deny Bruno Fernandes. That was the closest either side came. So, you know, it's not even one where he can say, well, look, they had one shot on target and we had 35. It's what a waste of talent. It was it, on balance of play. It was pretty even. And if anything, United edged it in chances. So he should take so, a closer look at what his team's doing. So I didn't get a chance to watch the match, but what's less of an overreaction from that match that United have a legitimate shot to win the title or that Liverpool are in some serious trouble? I'm going to say the bigger overreaction is that United have a good chance to win just because I think they will struggle to win enough games. They still, they are kind of a defensive team and I don't mean that as a criticism of them, but it does mean I, you just don't see sometimes they they really do labor to pick up wins and pick up points. I think Liverpool are in legitimate trouble. I don't to to in, when it comes to winning the title, right? Not this isn't sort of an end of an era, but this season with City kind of clicking into form at the moment and City getting players back and all that, I think you know I said a couple of weeks ago that I thought that City were the favorites, and that's right when around when they edged technically into favoritism in the odds. I think it's difficult to see City not winning the title as things stand. Yeah, the as things stands changing quite a lot though with this league at the moment. Like Liverpool will come back. Um, it's just a case of when they come back. Um, it's going to have to be pretty soon with the way Man City are playing. But at the moment, they're still within range. It's not like Man City are nine points clear. Um, they're still really close to them. Liverpool could easily turn this around. I I still think Liverpool are not necessarily... I'd say Man U are third favourites to win the league at the moment, for sure. I'm not putting them above Liverpool. Uh, I'd, put, I'd probably put City and Liverpool roughly similar, probably City favourites at the moment because of the form. But we all know that it changes very quickly in this league. Really changes quickly. So I'm not really changing my perspective. I still think Liverpool will come good. But it needs to start changing pretty soon because it's all well and good playing well and maybe losing games, but fundamentally they're not scoring goals. So they can't win games at the moment. And that's a big issue. City are fairly heavy. So City are 8-15 to 15 now. Liverpool are 4-1 to one to win the league. Because obviously if City win their game in hand, then they will be four points clear of Liverpool. And four points with... You know, half the season, to go. half the season gone. 18, 18 matches remaining. It's not insurmountable in any way, but it starts to get a little bit. You start to get into that range of we can't slip up first, because yeah. if it goes to seven points, then it's probably over. I mean, this is a role reversal at the start of the season, though, right? Uh, Man City were like nine points behind Liverpool at one point. And so that was games in hand, though, right? So the, I think it's been a bit misleading. I kind of feel as if. The beginning of the season, they were similar in terms of form, in that they were both scrappy and inconsistent and unreliable, and that City have started to turn things around and Liverpool have kind of plateaued. Oh, something's up at Liverpool. I wouldn't say plateaued. Like, 
they still have all of the people that can do this damage that we've seen in the um, well past two seasons, I guess. It'll cut. It'll change. It'll change, and it might change badly for someone. Like it might be one of those where the floodgates open, and all of a sudden they spank a team like seven nil again. We'll um, know in the next five matches because in the next five league matches, Liverpool play Spurs. Six even, they play Spurs, uh, City, and Leicester in their next six matches. So. Yeah. After that run, they're either completely out of the title race or they'll be back to being favorites. You know, there's, mm. but you, there is a world in which they don't, they win only three of their next six, in which case City are probably long gone. Yeah. Yeah. It's a bit weird this time as well. Cause like, I'm not saying Villa are title favorites, but the games in hand make it interesting because like Villa have like four games in hand over certain people at the moment because of, certain COVID issues that are going on in the Premier League at the moment, but they're an interesting set of games for Liverpool. And maybe maybe welcome ones. I'd, maybe there's a part of them where they need a game like that, where they have to perform against a big team. Case in point, maybe Arsenal's won against Chelsea. Kick-started everything that's going on with Arsenal at the moment, uh, up to 10th at the moment, six points behind fifth. Um, yes, one or two teams above them have games in hand. Um, but looking much better for Arsenal. And I think maybe a Liverpool win one of those first games. I think you said they're playing Spurs first. If they win that, then all of a sudden the Man City, Leicester games look a bit easier. You have to admire your optimism when it comes to Arsenal, Sam. Not only in the sense that you think everything is looking rosy and on the up <laughs> now, but more to the point, it shows... It's like watching someone in a toxic relationship and where they're like slowly being conditioned to accept worse and worse treatment. And so you very rapidly evolve from, you know, years ago it would have been Arsenal should be competing for the title. Okay, Arsenal should at least be in the top four. Okay, Arsenal should be competing for the top four. Okay, Arsenal, though, they're definitely a Europa League team, right? Okay, no, but we should be competing for the Europa League. And now it's like, well, we're comfortably mid-table now. That's fine. It's an improvement. Well, we hit poor form and now we're back up. I've I've spoken. This is just a slump. I'm talking about it with Liverpool as well. But I don't have a problem with Arsenal's expectations. If anything, you saw with Ferguson at Man U that when you get rid of a manager that has been there a long old time, it takes years to change that. A long, long time. And Man U really had a trial by fire with that problem. Arsenal wrongly i guess in hindsight hired emery when arteta was considered but i think arsenal maybe can learn some lessons from that manu situation that's all i'm saying as an arsenal fan as well there is has been I a think... decline but we are still winning fa cups which is always nice at one point oh, we weren't dear. winning anything oh wow this well, there's is... nothing wrong with winning an fa cup no no i guess not but I mean, look, I, I think it's difficult to compare the United and Arsenal situations and when Wenger left and when Ferguson left because Ferguson left the year at, uh, United won a title, albeit they won a title with a squad that clearly was about to have a, quite a bit of turnover, which I think he saw, which is part of the reason that, that that's why he timed his exit. But when Wenger left, Arsenal had already dropped from being title contenders to just being in around the top four. So 
some transition towards the middle of the table had already occurred. So now you're not only hoping that you get back to where you were at the end of the Wenger era, but that at some moment in time, you get back to where you were in the prime of the Wenger era, which is nearly two decades ago. Wow. Yeah, it's a long time ago. I think yeah. for Arsenal, the big the big step at the moment has to be back in the Champions League. Like that's that's the that's a real marker because we were so consistent in it for a long period of time. Um, well, you need well, you need it. You need the money, and also to sign top quality players, you need to be telling them that they're going to be playing Champions League football. I mean, if Arsenal go three or four seasons without playing in the Champions League, it is going to become very difficult for them to sign anyone, because then they're just they're Aston Villa. No, not necessarily. I'm picking I mean, Aston Villa as being middle of the table Premier League team, but the only draw is London, is basically what you're offering. But it's not going to be long until every player coming up now won't even remember. You get to play off it a little bit now because still people think, oh, I get to go to play for Arsenal. I remember Thierry Henry and Patrick Vieira and, and all that good, like the Invincibles, and I'm going to sort of be part of that team and then but five ten years from now you could all every player in the arsenal team will have been born after that era those years took place so they won't they probably won't even know who thierry Henry is are you speaking about this because of blackburn is this is this heading close to you no i mean very very different circumstances as well i mean in part being a small town versus being in london i mean that's a huge difference in the two situations but it is Blackburn are an indication of how quickly things can go south for a club in a very good position. And there's even worse examples. I mean, look at Bolton. <laughs> I'm not going to say that I saw the next Bolton, but things Bolton can. It's probably the biggest example of a. I think I mean, Bolton is the worst. Really? I mean, at one point, Portsmouth beat AC Milan 3 0. And about four, four years later, they're in League Two. I think they went down consecutive seasons for like two or three in a row. Yeah, but Bolton were beating AC Milan. I mean, Bolton had the same, right? When they had like the Kevin Nolans and all that. I think they went to... You did it again. The Kevin Nolan. <laughs> Pluralization of players. And they had people of like Kevin, Nolan. Kevin Nolan stature. There you go. I've, <laughs> I've corrected my grammar to keep the plural. No, it's not, it's, not, it's not incorrect grammar. It's just one of my pet peeves. That's okay. I'll probably do it more than... So the, I can't even do it now. It'd be too fake. When they had their Nolans and their Okachas and their so Chokayevs. good they named them twice. Yes. <laughs> Look, I think the difference is Bolton had a more sustained period of being a legitimate European side. Portsmouth had their kind of flirtation with it, and they mortgaged their future to do that, which is also the difference. When you look at what happened to Portsmouth, it was their own doing. They ran a club on credit, and eventually they had to pay the bills. Well, they had the Harry Redknapp as well. That's the biggest problem. Well, that's the guarantee. That's the sign that you're running a club on credit and you're going to pay the bill someday. Bolton were running themselves by footballing standards in a sensible business way. And then just relegation killed the any viability of the club. And then things went wrong. Think Frank has fallen asleep. He's... Never had to sit through a Bolton versus Portsmouth demise debate before. What a fallen giant style debate. Oh, calling either Bolton or Portsmouth giants might be a bit misleading. I'll have to brush up on my Bolton knowledge next time. It won't take long. 
yeah, it's, yeah. Quick, just, you know, skim over the Wikipedia. You'll get all the key details. <laughs> Ignore all of the slurs and comments that people have put in about Bolton and you'll be fine. I will say, because we touched a little bit and just to round off the football discussion, we touched on, uh, I mentioned Messi over the course of this discussion. Barcelona lost in the Super Cup yesterday. They conceded a last minute equalizer, then went to extra time and lost. And Messi was sent off for an off the ball incident in the final minute of extra time, which was his first sending off for Barcelona, which yeah, kind wow. of surprised me because he crazy. can be he can be a little petulant at times. So it kind of did surprise me that it took that long for him to be dismissed. How many games was it a was worthwhile this? red? He raised his arm, didn't he? So it's a yeah. pretty pathetic one to have because it was also caught by VAR. So it's like a double standard of being. A really annoying red card to have, I imagine. Yeah, the referee missed it. He hit another player in the face, basically. The, the referee, <laughs> the referee missed it because um, it was off the ball. But it was, yeah, it was a red card. Um, yeah, I don't know how many games he's played for Barcelona, but you're obviously talking. I think it was sound like seven hundred and thirty odd. Yeah, he's played. So it's so. pretty insane for someone that involved in a game, and like you say, has that side of being a little bit. Petulant he's been sent like tackles or something. He's been sent off twice for Argentina. So it's not the first red card of his career. So the fact that he's been sent off twice for Argentina in a sample size that is far, far smaller, um, it basically shows what his attitude though, is. Just, he hates playing for Argentina. That's why. <laughs> it just shows that he's a bad loser and that his that side of his character comes out and that when he's playing on a really good Barcelona team, he doesn't have to do it. But yesterday, losing 3-2 in a cup final against a team that he obviously doesn't think they should be losing to that side came out. That must really suck to lose that kind of, I mean, no one's going to remember Messi for being the guy that never got sent off. Right. But simultaneously, that's always a cool marker to have as a player is to never receive that kind of well, dishonor. Yeah. I mean, the big, the famous one, right. Was Robbie Savage. Oh, I was going to say Gary Lineker. <laughs> oh yeah, but that's he didn't. He wasn't famous for being kind of physical or dirty in any way. Robbie Savage, who wasn't a dirty player but was nippy and liked to get people worked up, and he—I mean—he didn't have a red card until quite late in his Blackburn career, and that was for two bookable offenses. The second of which was a player kicked the ball into his hand from a free kick from ten yards away while he was looking the other direction, and he got sent off for the second, which. There have been plenty of times in Robbie. Robbie Savage should have been sent off a lot of times, probably over the course of his career. It it was slightly ironic, probably the time he actually did get a red guard. It was not warranted. He used to just be really, he used to be a bit loudmouth as well. He knew how to get into someone's face. He knew how to rile them up and things like that. So it always looked like he was, he's basically just a, 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 what you call it, an exacerbator. He was, he's basically just stoking. Yeah, there was nothing dirty about him. Uh, you're right. It, like it, it's it's a difference between say him and Roy Keane or Patrick Vieira, who had real physical nasty sides to them. Robbie Savage was just going to be yapping in your ear and chasing you around. He was never going to try and break your ankle. Yeah. Oh, the Harland one is still <laughs> an incredible. It's incredible. That's still. Has Roy Keane ever spoken about that after? Like, does he does he ever like apologize to it or anything? I, I've never really noticed. I think he's refused to apologize for it. I believe. 
But seeing as we're going all the way back to footballing events from the late 1990s, uh, did anything else happen this weekend that caught your eye? Relating to 90s football? <laughs> no, just the world of sport, let's say. Maybe Roy Keane as part of it. I had one other thing, which I, we, talk, we spoke about Andy Murray maybe not playing in the Australian Open because he tested positive for COVID. A bunch of tennis he died. players. Oh. <laughs> a bunch of tennis yeah, a bunch of tennis players, both men, male and female players, have been complaining because um, they flew to Australia to take part. And they said that the instructions they were given were that if you tested negative before you arrived, tested negative after you arrived, and everyone in your camp tested negative, then you could just go about kind of normal preparation for the t- for the tournament. But a number of them were on a flight where several people on the flight have tested positive. So they've Ooh. all been stuck into quarantine. And so these players have been complaining that a number of them said, I wouldn't have come if I'd known that this was the risk because it seems pretty likely that on a flight, someone might test positive. Just a bunch of people being, they come across a little bit like whiny brats to be perfectly yeah. honest with you. <laughs> but Yeah, I'm not really getting that. Like I wouldn't have come if I didn't know the risk. Like it's COVID, it's a global pandemic. I, where have you been? No, I mean, the risk, what they meant wasn't the risk of getting the virus, the risk that if anyone on the plane tested positive, you also had to quarantine. So basically, they just wanted to be treated like completely unique cases during this pandemic. And that they, and not only them, right, we're talking about their trainers, their, you know, whoever else, their nutritionist, who who else knows who's traveling with them, are all going to fall into that unique case category. But it comes across, considering the effort that's being put on by governing bodies, sports governing bodies to get things to happen, it just seems a little bit to lack some self-awareness. Well, it's that classic problem of, okay, tennis, some tennis players aren't celebrities in their own right, but it does come across as that they're celebrities, they can do what they want. It's kind of above the everyday person to you know go on holidays or that kind of stuff. And I mean, similarly, something that caught, caught my eye from the news, which even though we have a non-NHL talk during, uh, during until, I don't know, the next NHL playoffs or whenever it is, we've decided we can talk about it again. I did see that Gary Bettman, the commissioner of the NHL, said that the NHL is going to lose $1 billion by having this season take place in the conditions in which it's going to be played. Oh, yeah. I mean we could be looking at the end of the NHL, which would be a best case scenario for you two. Well, it just amazes me. Well, <laughs> it just amazes me that the NHL ever made a billion dollars. That's the most, <laughs> that's the like, that's the most. No, they only thing. make like a hundred million, but they're going to lose that and an additional amount. <laughs> yeah, it's just such a misleading way to explain your losses. Cause I mean, I didn't know you could generate a billion dollars in revenue from like seven people watching a game. <laughs> We should have gotten Sam to pick his division winners because it just the started. Be- the, the beauty of Sam is you can still get him to <laughs> pick his division winners. Next I, episode, Sam, we'll get your division winners. I why legitimately we, had no idea it had started. Why don't we leave it until post-Super Bowl? Okay. It's not it still as, won't it's, matter. <laughs> it's not as if Sam's going to pick up on any trends. You, we could literally make him pick the division winners after the season was over, and they would have he would have just the same amount of information. But people could get great value right now at one of his picks. Maybe I will say he obviously he picked the uh, 
Phoenix Suns as his uh, team to win the division in, in the NBA. Bill Simmons, who, as some listeners will know and friends will know, is kind of my nemesis when it comes to sports commentary and sports coverage. On his podcast last week, he was doing an assessment of which teams had a chance to win, to make it to the NBA Finals. None. And his dark right. horse pick was the Phoenix Suns, which he said wow. he, lo- he loved it as a pick because nobody else would have had it. And I was listening to it, and I think that- <laughs> I know one guy who had it. <laughs> <laughs> I know I know one squid who picked it. Wow. And he was upset saying, like, don't take this away from me. Like, no one else pick it. And I want to send him, if, if there was any way he would ever read my emails, send him. Send, send him our podcast. Send him some podcast episode. And the really disappointing part of that is I listened to that episode on my way to the prefecture here to get my first ever visa to live in france oh man wow. well eddie i have a it's a little little too late because you already went i guess but i had a very good fact you could have told them to prove you are full-on french which is what did you know that the eiffel tower elevator cables are greased every day with beef fat how would that have, no, I think, so I think, let me just play out this scenario. If I'd sat down for my visa appointment and while the guy was looking through my documents, I had gone, hey, do you know that every day the Eiffel Tower cave, elevator cables are greased with beef fat? I think he would have looked back at me and looked down at my papers and then pushed them back in my direction and gone, France will be better off without you. It sounds like one of those sentences you learn when you study at like a 15-year-old level, when it's like, could you put these random words together? It's like the Eiffel Tower's wires are greased with beef fat. <laughs> Saying that in French would have been brilliant. Yeah, I, lif- I listened to a podcast on the Eiffel Tower, and that was the most interesting fact I got out of it. I'm surprised that Sam didn't know that, because I just would have thought he's greased quite a few Eiffel Towers with beef fat. So I thought, <laughs> Not the cables. <laughs> I thought it would have been a fact that would have been right up your alley. That's, 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 that's no, it's too loose. It's too bad. <laughs> I was trying to think of ways to get out, but I couldn't without saying something else that was in itself a play on words. God damn. Yeah. But now I am officially in the French system as a foreign worker now, so... What if you told them the antenna on the top was used in World War II to try and intercept German radio signals? That I knew. That you knew? Yeah, that I knew. Just because I watched a documentary about Paris during World War II. So I've got the the Eiffel Tower. They cut the elevator cables actually during World War II. Uh, So that did happen. So that they couldn't go up and look and get the, the view. Yep. They did that while they were occupied. So like they snuck in and cut them. Yes. Did you yeah. also know during World War II that there was a a um, airplane dogfight that went under the Eiffel Tower? Bullshit. Nope. Bullshit. Nope. When you say when you say a dogfight, you just mean maybe like a pass under Bulldogs. it as opposed to they no, just no. kept bigger well, evading around there it. There was a there was a like a plane fight battle, whatever you want to call it, and one of the planes went underneath no the Eiffel way. Tower. 
No way. I do not believe it. I have been to the Eiffel Tower many times and it is what, not You've that... not seen a smoldering wreck from 80 years ago there. It's not that big underneath. <laughs> it's not. Hey, on Call of Duty, you say you put a helicopter through that little prison area. <laughs> True. Anything True, if they're as skilled as, as I am with a helicopter, they might have had a chance. Yeah. Because obviously less is on the line for them as it is for you in a video game. Way, way less. I've got my kill-death ratio to worry about. But they... I mean, I like it. We're they were, we're moving the podcast. We've got the Soup Juice spinoff, and then we've got this like Stuff You Should Know slash No Such Thing as a Fish spinoff that we're going to do, too. It literally was a Stuff You Should Know Eiffel Tower oh, episode. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> so we're definitely running on copyright infringement there. Can I just say that was I was, a, I was an early Stuff You Should Know adopter. I think those guys had a nice podcast and not one, I'm not going to be one to throw stones. Cause obviously we are very much in a glass house when it comes to the podcasting world, but got a little bit tired of listening but, to these two, <laughs> but got a little bit tired of listening to these two guys who like Wikipedia something for like four days and then sit down and recording a podcast about it. Like they're experts. Like, you know what, now I'm going to explain brain hemorrhages. Like, <laughs> just like, like I don't thing. have an issue with that. I, the issue I have is they've now clearly run out of things oh, and they're yeah. starting to explain things that aren't like stuff. You should know how to explain things. Yeah. It's like very conceptual at times and things. No, yeah. but yeah yeah have but no I, I mean a, have you ever just been on wikipedia and click random article for ages no seeing what comes up i've never done it once and i've definitely never done it for ages <laughs> yeah i mean I, I i go down to a lot of youtube rabbit holes and i've occasionally clicked from like one wikipedia like see like you read a paragraph and then click onto something and maybe gone once but if you're going down Wikipedia rabbit holes, Sam, you might you might need to be rethinking your life a little bit. Either that or I'm just going to buy you an encyclopedia and you can just spend your day just flipping to a random page and, and reading an entry. It's a good way to learn. Yeah, not bad. <laughs> just sc- so it's in a the scattergun approach. It's a scattergun approach. I won't lie. It's not really going to be concentrated knowledge. In the spring of 1944, Captain Overstreet pushed his P-51B Mustang to the max, he flew Wait. under the Eiffel Tower to chase and shoot down an enemy BF-109 in World War II, earning him France's highest military award. Where are you reading this? What? Where, where, where are you reading you this from? Uh, Breitbart history. <laughs> <laughs> Why America's great. <laughs> com. The independent.co.uk. Oh. I might have to accept it then. I'll have to look into this. No, it's a true story. I'm not lying about this. (laughs) Because then I was skeptical as well, and I went and looked it up. But no, occasionally when I listen to stuff, you should know it is one of those things where I listen, and if I have like a modicum of knowledge about the subject, not like an expert, but above average, they'll say things, and you'll be like, oh, that's not right. Yeah, when they do... When they do science ones, a lot of the times I'll listen and I'm just like, oh, that's not really what it. Yeah, it's like you said the right words. You clearly read an article, but you don't know enough to explain the article like they're in that realm. And then they're obviously got to explain it because it's what their show's about. And then they're going this like a little bit too far. 
even no such thing as a fish has that happen sometimes and they're like not taking quite as deep of a look into topics of stuff you should know i don't know that podcast good podcast it's run by the people three of the researchers or four i guess four of the researchers who um research for qi a british game show where they look up like interesting facts so they're obviously looking for sort of interesting facts and pieces of trivia all the time and so then they turn that into a podcast where they would speak about stuff that they found and they got like you only get little tidbits like for them it will be an episode where they talk about 10 different little facts so not as educational stuff you should know can be but you get some little bit of trivia so how wide do you think the base arch of the eiffel tower is at the very bottom at its widest point because it's an arch, right? Yeah. So yeah. that is why. Um, in in what measurement? Am I... Football field measurements. Football field measurements. <laughs> That's what the article says. <laughs> nice. nice and local. I was hoping you would ask that question just so I could give you that answer. I don't want to tell you the answer. I just wanted you to ask in what so I could say football field lengths. <laughs> Oh, dear. Uh, it's, it's just significantly wider than a football field. <laughs> oh, dear. And they didn't think of using yards, which is, no. um, yeah. That's okay. what it's, and it's about as high as a 12 story office block. It kind of large. surprises me that it could be listed as significantly wider than a football field. <laughs> Like what is, and what does significantly wider mean? Like a, another quarter of a football yards. field? Yeah, like because yeah. a, f- a f- football field's what, like fifty-two yards wide, something like that. So it's like the CFL football field. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, no and yeah. Well, thank you, Captain William Overstreet, for your great story. And with that, we can sign off. <laughs> All right. See ya. Talk to you guys later. Here I am.